So I said to Rachel, I said, just, you could just show up and be pretty. I'll do everything. You did say I that. I did say that. And then, you know, we did have a point where we had some tension and almost broke up. Well, we did because she yeah. broke up with me. And through I the did. process, she's like, you told me I could just come and be pretty. Well, I, now I need you to lift some loads. I can't <laughs> do it all. <laughs> Interesting. So, well, I'm glad you ladies are back together. We are too. <laughs> Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About. The podcast that makes business sexy again. I'm Gina Tremarco, master sales trainer and coach at Sales Gravy, who is also the sponsor of this show. And I'm Rachel Pitts, the singing lender. <laughs> we'll have to work on those harmonies. Get that I was down. Like, that was a bad. That was a bad harmony. Bad. Let's try it again. Okay. <laughs> Let's try it again. The singing lender. <laughs> okay, Never we'll mind. work on that, Warners. Never mind. We'll work on it while we're at <laughs> Outbound together. Roomies at Outbound yeah, this summer. Yeah, I think in June. I think we should sing it Outbound. We should do like a, a like an entertainment singing thing. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about your suggestion <laughs> about that, and then I listened to something about saying no to things, and I think. With all that's going on and leaning up to outbound, I think that's a no. Let's not put something else that completely foreign sound onto very our plate. yes andish. But <laughs> how about we just stay open? How about this? Yes, and let's see how that works out. <laughs> I can live with that. I can live with that, right? We don't have to say no. We could say yes and. Yes, Gina, great idea. And Maybe another time. You're very busy, Ginny. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what am I thinking? I don't got time for that shit. Exactly. That's, That's... actually uh, you're busier than me. Yeah, we're good. So let's talk about let's talk about today's guest. She's pretty. Awesome. I love Amy Franco. Oh my goodness! And I'm so excited that she lives in Columbus, Ohio. You'll have to listen to this episode to understand why. And I got a new learning about about. A, a new thing about Anthony and Arino. You'll also have to listen to this episode to hear why. And, you know, she really glossed over the fact that she started out her career working for IBM. It's kind of like a big deal for a woman being involved in a tech company of that size and, and stature. And that she had a lot of women, uh, women bosses to help her, which mm -hmm. is cool. Mm -hmm. Yep. Very cool. And she's got a lot of great insight um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yeah, her, so let's Gina? talk a little bit about Amy Franco, who is also going to be speaking at the Outbound Conference. You can check that out at outboundconference.com. That's going to be uh, the second week of June, the middle of June, like June 15th that week. So Amy, let's talk about Amy. She's a keynote speaker, sales strategist, and author specializing in B2B sales and sales leadership development. She works with professional services, insurance, and technology organizations to accelerate their growth results. With over 20 years of client-facing sales experience, Amy began her career with global companies IBM and Lenovo before pivoting into entrepreneurship. Her book of business includes some of the world's most recognizable brands. And she has her own book, The Modern Seller, which is an Amazon bestseller and has and was named a 2019 top sales book by Top Sales World. She is also recognized by LinkedIn as a 2019 top sales voice. She's cool. Yep, she's got some great insight, and I think that you guys will enjoy her as much as Gina and I did. We're so glad to have you here, Amy. Thanks so much for giving us your time today. My pleasure. And when Gina reached out, it's like, oh yeah, this sounds awesome. And I can't wait to be at Outbound. Yay! I feel like I've been planning it for two years. So now I finally, think you have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, in Areno and I live in the same town and he, he keeps out. Uh, yeah, we both live in Columbus and he keeps joking about how he owes me a coffee. So if we're recording this, he owes me a coffee. Fantastic. <laughs> Hope you're listening, Anthony. Yeah, you owe me a coffee. Oh, I'm so, wait a second. I'm so excited about Columbus. I think I knew that about him. Um, I'm going to be in Columbus in October. Oh, you 
are. What bring, what's bringing yes. you to Columbus? I am speaking at a conference for HER Realtors. Oh my gosh. Awesome. When is it? I'm going to be in Columbus in, in October. What, are you? Really? Are you guys yeah. speaking together and you just don't know it yet? <laughs> I'm not speaking. I'm competing. What are you doing in Columbus? I'm t- I have a competition in Ohio at the weekend of August 3rd, August 2nd. Uh, sorry, sorry, October 2nd. What type of competition? I am a, a, athlete, a, a competitive athlete, bikini class. And it's like, you would never know this about Columbus, but, you know, obviously the Arnold is here every year and it's like, um, huge. Well, yeah. And it's Columbus is like the sleeper town for all of this stuff. And those, those competitions yeah, it's not the Arnold that I'm doing. It's the Natural Ohio, and um, my competitive team is they're they're from there. Uh, the coaches are, and so it's like a big, big event. There's like we have probably a couple hundred girls on the team, and at least fifty or so will compete for my team. That's exciting. All right, I love it that both you ladies are coming to Columbus. So we'll we'll sort out meeting in person. Well, and I'll see you in I'll see you at Outbound, right? Oh gosh, yeah, Outbound yeah. first. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. We're um we're live streaming on Wednesday and Thursday uh, okay. during lunch on the main stage. And um Rachel, um well I'll be in Columbus. I'm speaking on October eleventh. So I'll be there a week after you, Rachel. After All right. I'm gonna write those dates down. So yeah, so you can, you know, have us one on one individually instead of together, which is probably better for you. if you'd like to like have an epic meal that usually happens after the competition and i go and eat all the things because i've been prepping (laughs) you can come join the fun on that or we'll see what i'll i'll definitely hook up with you we'll talk about it all right well we're gonna we're gonna officially officially start this and then otherwise it's never gonna get done it's never and then it'll it'll just run as is which is also fine which is also fine so uh welcome to the women your mother warned you about amy I am so excited to be here. I can't wait for this conversation. Awesome. Awesome. And we just we just found out that you you live in the same town as Anthony and Areno in Columbus, Ohio. And we we just found out that Rachel and I are both going to Columbus, Ohio in October, but for different reasons at different times. So I'm feeling like there's going to be um, all kinds of get togethers when we both come to Columbus. Bring it to the sea bus, my friends. Ooh, the sea bus. And and this will be a way to force Anthony into buying you the cup of coffee he owes you. That's right. He can buy all three of us coffee. Yes. That would be fun. Fantastic. Heard here first. Go. Okay, Anthony, pay up in Areno. Let's go. <laughs> all right. So, Amy, let's start with the most important question. Do you consider yourself a woman your mother warned you about? I like to think of myself as one, but as I told you ladies, before we jumped on, uh, before we started recording, I'm the oldest of five daughters and I'm pretty sure my mom would not be happy to hear that I might be one of those women that your mother warned you about. So, but in my mind, I like to think I'm one. What, what, so tell yeah, us what makes, more about yeah, what makes you one in your mind? In, 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 in my, in my own mind. You know, I think I've, I've grown into one of those, yes. those women. Yes. You know, I think younger, I don't know if you ladies can relate to this at all, but younger, I, you know, just growing up kind of with a lot of messages around people pleasing and being all things to all people. I don't know if this resonates with anybody who might be watching or listening. Yeah. Right. And um, I would say over the past, you know, let's call it 10 years, I've really had to change my thinking around that and to stand up and be that, be that tall poppy, if you will, and not shy, not shy away. And it's something I've really had to grow into because those weren't really the messages that, that I grew up with. You are one, you uh-huh. are one of us. Acceptable, acceptable. We can continue. Yeah, we right. can keep. We, that's an acceptable answer. We don't have to go back and re- and redo that. We we don't have to boot you out of here now. So that's good. Oh right. my gosh, I made it through the first question. Let's keep going. <laughs> I mean, you really you you really hit on what what the purpose of our show is and why our show came together was for those exact reasons. Is that we 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 kind of always were a woman. Your mother warned you about. And everyone has a different definition, but we all got stuck in that messaging and those expectations and not really living to our fullest capabilities because we were living under what other people thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, 
as I think about you know just my sales career, I had probably a sales career or some experiences that um, you talk about sales sometimes being a male-dominated field, needing more women in the field. But uh, I spent the first part of my sales career at IBM, and I had the opposite experience where there was a point in time where my first, second, and third line leaders were all women. And a lot of our top performers were women. And so it was awesome to be able to see people like myself that I could aspire to. And I think that that helped change a lot of my thinking too. That is really refreshing to hear because I know a lot of times we hear this, again, I know we're a smaller percentage of, of a lot of industries and markets and fields and occupations and whatnot. But I think we don't talk enough about the fact that there are cheerleaders and champions out there for women and that we have the opportunity. We have, we have to go take it. Oh, you nailed it. Like the idea of taking it versus waiting to be tapped on the shoulder for the opportunity. Um, you know, I think back how many, how many times in my, in my career that I maybe was waiting for someone to offer an opportunity, but really having to change my mindset and say, you know what, if I want something, I have to go, I have to be willing to build the skills. I have to be willing to invest in myself. I have to be willing to, to really go after it. And I would say that biggest change for me probably happened when I became an entrepreneur and there was not somebody funding me and sending me to the conference or investing in my skills. I had to go do it myself. Self. And that was such a great experience to have to be the one making that investment. Opportunity dances with people already on the dance floor. Ooh. Did you? Oh, you've never heard what? that? No, I did not. Did you make- I definitely didn't make that up. No, I actually said it yesterday. It too. That's one of my opportunity dances with those who are already on the dance Damn. floor. Huh. You've never heard no. that? I guess because I'm a dancer. Yeah. Well, and the point of that phrase, and I'm my first career was dance. So I guess that's why I gravitate toward a quote, towards a quote like that. And it's just, you can't sit on the sidelines and expect opportunity to show up. As you just said, Amy, you have to get out there and shake it around a little bit so that you have, you know, opportunity comes in front of you. And I think, you know, I'm thinking of a, a small argument with one of my exes where, he threw at me, well, you just always get all these opportunities thrown at you. Like when you got in real estate, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't forget when I, the opportunity for the broker who brought me into the real estate business asked me that, I was cleaning toilets for her. I was cleaning 15 condos a weekend, cleaning toilets. And she saw this girl's a hustler. Then the opportunity showed up because I was out there not afraid to hustle. So like it shows up when you put the work in, like you said, you can't just, it's not going to fall in your lap. When it falls in your lap, it's because you were sitting in the right chair in the midst of all the stuff falling in people's laps. Well, there's also this kind of fine line. You also, you also paid attention to the details. You were really willing to do the kind of the grunt work, if you will. And anything that's going to help you be around the right people. And, and so, so I think sometimes as we get a little further in our career, we do have to maybe balance that out a bit, especially as we create bigger opportunities or take on bigger opportunities. Do, who do we surround ourselves with that we could maybe help bring along with us? Because I sometimes I think that that grit and all that work that we're willing to do early on, I know sometimes I take it with me and I feel like I still have to do it all myself when maybe I could say, you know what, there are some people around me that maybe I could develop or bring along with me and help create other hustlers to help create opportunity for them. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's that, it's, it's that being willing to do the work as you were saying that what was flashing in my head was, <laughs> wait for it, Rachel, was all the work that goes into something like producing a podcast and it's work and it is, you know, there would be moments between Rachel and I and I'm like, this is a long game. This is not a short, like if we had moments of, because we're, we, we work a lot, we're hustlers and every now and then it's like, why am I doing this? This is, this podcast is work. And I'm like, just go with me on it. It, the more we the more we just put into it, it will pay off in the long run. You just have to keep at it and stay consistent and stay committed and know that something's going to come from it if you're willing to put the work in. Yeah, that consistent and commitment piece 
I think is so huge. I'm uh, your your stories are reminding me of I had the, I did this interview uh, maybe six months ago, let's call it, and it was this this young woman in college, uh, senior year in college, studying like marketing and sales. Which you know, by the way, now you can get like a degree in sales in a lot of universities, which I think is so cool. But I just totally admired her hustle because she reached out to me on LinkedIn. She introduced herself and she said. I'm interested in pursuing a career in marketing or sales or business, and I'm reaching out to women that are in sales. Could I interview you for 30 minutes? I mean, seriously, that I was so impressed by that. I'm like, heck yeah, you can have 30 minutes of my time. She was so sharp and so prepared. And it's like, you are going to go far because she, she really put herself out there and was, was willing to ask. And I think about myself at, you know, 21, 22, it's like, Ooh, would I have been willing to do that? I don't know. And I just, so I just really, I just really admire that go get it kind of attitude. It's interesting because I think we're seeing more of that in that age group. Oh, yeah. For some reason. I want you to tell that story, Rachel. Yeah. So I I would agree with you, Amy, in that there's some better training happening for salespeople because I got pitched this week. Um, and I'm, I just am so excited about this girl. Her name is Rachel also. She did all the things, all the, th- she's still doing all the things that, are necessary for a strong sales process that gets you the result you're looking for. So she reached out to me. She obviously researched me. She reached out to me. I think she reached out to me via Facebook Messenger and said she was from WMBF, which is one of the local channels. That's an NBC affiliate. And wanted to, and she was very impressed with the singing lender stuff that I do and wanted to have a conversation about, or she said, have you thought about television or whatever? And I said, yeah, let's talk about it. Here's my number. She called me instantly, like instantly. Called you, called you, didn't email you, didn't message you, called you. Called me on the phone. She called me on the phone and she gave me a very brief statement about what she does, which I can't remember what she said, but it didn't matter because she wanted an appointment. And I gave her the classic, well, why don't you just email me? You know, I'm busy, whatever. Just email me a proposal. Well, I really actually prefer to meet my clients in person because I don't want to send out a blind proposal that I can't make sure that it's catered just for you. And I'm like, you freaking nailed that. Okay. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I said, Great. And then she said, how about next Tuesday at 1030 in the morning? And I was like, like everything we teach at sales that actually worked. (laughs) I know that was why I was so excited. And I wanted to ask her if she had done sales gravy, but I don't think she's just out of college. But um, I think she had another marketing job. Anyways, so we she gets the appointment. She immediately sends me the calendar invite. After we get off the phone, the morning of the appointment, she sent an email, she sent a text to make sure that I remembered. And, um, and then at the meeting, she also steered me because I tend to just talk all in all directions, like squirrel chaser that I am. And she, every time she steered the conversation back to her goal, I noticed it. I was like, so getting back to you, no, no, no. And she, it was great. And then she said, okay, next steps. Like she used the phrase next steps, next steps, you know, let's meet with your branch manager and you to talk about, you know, what the numbers would look like. Like she, and then as soon as we got in the car, she texted me a thank you for meeting with her. I mean, all the things, right? I was so impressed by her. So we're going to get her on the podcast. Rachel's like, we need to have her on the podcast. Who taught you that? Because it's like textbook. I don't think I've ever seen any sales professional do all the textbook things with me at least. Well, and I think that, that you talk about it being textbook and, you know, we're, we're in, we're in the sales world and we, we pay attention to, to the kind of the skills behind the skills where we're watching and paying attention, but it sounds like she was so sharp with it. And it's so professional that as someone who isn't in a sales type of role that might not be really watching the process behind the scenes, they're going to think about that and be like, wow, really sharp, really on the ball, really understands my business and is just is helping me decide what to do next. Um, and I think sometimes if we, we stray away from the process, 
that's what can get us in, into trouble. Now you have to be able to improv and, and pay attention to the signals, but it just sounds like she took you through something really, really professional. Very. All right. I'm, I'm willing to continue this conversation. Super sharp. And actually at the end of the conversation, she even did a takeaway. She said, I mean, the only reason I scheduled this meeting with you is to see if there's anything there. I mean, I don't know if it'll be a fit, but I'm glad we met. And I'm like, oh, you did a takeaway too. It's so good. <laughs> we can't wait to have her on the show. So, and she's, she texted me yesterday and said she's been listening to our episodes and she's just so excited and honored. And I'm like, you're killing it. So do you, you did ask her about being on the show? Oh yeah, she wants Fantastic. to. She was waiting for time. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Which means you're waiting for me. Got it. That's right. <laughs> just waiting on me. I sent you an yeah, email. I, I You'll did, see it eventually. I saw it somewhere. <laughs> It'll so show up eventually. So I'm interested, Amy, in your book is called The Modern Seller. Oh my gosh, I am interested in that too. We're so, you you beat me That's to the why question. We, we're, we're so in tune. <laughs> I, we sometimes, it's, it's a little scary. scary, especially if we spend time together in the same yeah. room. It's a little scary. <laughs> so um, The Modern Seller is the, the title of your book. And now we're in a really different scenario for the modern seller. So tell us about your book and anything that has changed since it's been written due to COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the really interesting thing about the book experience is, so I released that book toward the end of 2018 and the conversations that I've had with people that have read the book, my clients, they're like, you know, you could have released this book this year right now. Because the things in the book really are so foundational that regardless of what type of tools or environment you're executing them in, they are the skills that are going to serve you no matter what. So I just, I just found that to be really interesting because I I started thinking, you know, as we hit the pandemic, it's like, wow, what, what's going to change? And, And I mean, so many things changed. But a lot of the foundational elements, like even your story about that young woman who met with you, she may have used some different tools, but so many things about what she did were also very, very foundational. Um, so, so when I wrote the book, when I was researching the book, I have a background in, uh, so, so just really quickly on my background, the first 10 years of my career, I was in technology. So I worked for companies like IBM and Lenovo, all client-facing roles and sales roles. And then about 15 years ago, I pivoted into entrepreneurship and got into the learning and development space. And, and that's really where I am today. So I work with mostly mid-market organizations on uh, sales uh, assessment and skill development and uh, sales consulting. So there's still a lot of learning and development. And, and I'm, I'm kind of a learning junkie at heart. I'm the person who loves to go to all the conferences. And I love to go to in-person conferences. So I'm excited to be able to go back and do that. But, uh, but what I was seeing with my clients and kind of tying this back to the book were this uh, these skills behind the skills that really needed to be developed because people needed to behave differently with their clients. They really needed to think more strategically and think with more business acumen in order to conduct the sales activities that were going to help them to be successful. So, so the book dives into five capabilities that I see modern sellers and also sales leaders needing to build. Um, a modern seller is agile, entrepreneurial, holistic, social, and an ambassador. You build those capabilities. You even just build a couple of those capabilities. They're going to help you be more effective and more efficient at all the day-to-day sales activities that you need to be doing. So, so that was really the, the inspiration behind the book and the catalyst. And uh, I think it, it's more, they're more, the way you execute it might look a little different, but the foundational elements are still the same. Tell me about holistic. That sounds kind of woo-woo. It doesn't it though. <laughs> so there are two, there are two elements to it or kind of two paths that I take with it. One is the individual seller or sales leader and the way that you show up for your work, for your clients. So, so there's that piece to it. And then there's more of a systematic piece to it. So, so I'll hit the individual piece first. And, you know, in any given day, any individual has a finite amount of time, energy, motivation, and discipline. The choices that you make with those resources as a seller totally impacts the success that you can have. 
And many times we don't pay attention to that, or we don't pay attention to the importance of ourselves in the sales equation. So that line of thinking is all about how we develop ourselves as sellers and the attention that we pay to ourselves, so that we can show up in the right way for our clients. Um, so, so that's one piece to it. The other piece is really thinking systematically. The way that we, our companies, our, our company is, the way that we are with our clients and prospects, everything is connected kind of into this supply chain. And if you think about it in that way, every interaction that you have with your client, everything you sell, there is this connected ecosystem behind it that helps you to be successful. Upstream consequences, downstream consequences, you change something over here, it could have a consequence over there that you're not thinking about. So when you think about things in that realm of it being a supply chain, you can think more strategically, whether you're an individual seller, or maybe you're a sales leader looking at how you grow your team and how you grow your sales, thinking about it as a supply chain and everything is interconnected. Okay. That's not too (laughs) woo-woo. It passed the woo-woo test. I think you were were thinking of like whole foods. I don't know. Holistic (laughs) just sounds in the woo-woo category. So that's why I thought I'd ask. I'm here to protect the people that are skeptical of woo-woo stuff. <laughs> and here's some words from our sponsor, Jeb Blunt at Sales Gravy. Hi, this is Jeb Blunt. There's a reason why thousands of sales professionals and top companies across the globe honed their sales skills at Sales Gravy University. You see, Sales Gravy University is different than most learning platforms. First, we have live courses taught in a virtual classroom by our master trainers that start almost every single day. And our e-learning platform is populated with hundreds of hours of sales training content produced by some of the top sales trainers in the world, including Gina's spontaneous selling course, which is worth checking out. Now, I've got some good news. If you've never taken a course on Sales Gravy University, if you're a new user, you can take your very first course for free. That's any course on the platform, absolutely free. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com or click the e-learning tab in the top menu at salesgravy.com, pick out your course, and when you check out, use coupon code FREECOURSE to get that course for free. That is free course to get your very first course for free. I think probably the agile piece is probably the most important um, or the most congruent with what's going on post pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And agility is interesting. Um, the, the center for creative leadership did a study of the top capabilities or skills that organizations need to be hiring for. And If you look back 25 years ago, the number one skill that companies hired for was technical expertise. So like early 90s, let's call it. You fast forward to now, the number one skill that organizations are looking to hire for is adaptability and versatility. And I put that in the agility category. It's assumed that you're going to show up in the role with the technical expertise or you're going to build it. But organizations need people who are very adaptable. They're very versatile. They, they can pivot. They can make decisions with um, the information that they have at hand and confidently pivot as they need to. And, and there's a little bit of a double, double-edged sword, I think, with agility. It's one thing to be able to make strong pivots, but if you keep pivoting, you're going to end up in a circle. So, so you do you do have to watch where you're pivoting and really be strategic about it. Otherwise, you're just you're going to just run in circles. But uh, but agility is a really critical capability. Um, and one of the ways that I see people able to build agility is awareness of patterns and being able to bust patterns that that don't serve them anymore. There's a fine line between a pattern and a rut. Ooh, now there's a good chunk. That's a good little truth bomb. There is a fine line between a pattern and a rut. We were just talking about this last night. um, And Gina's mastermind coaching group is in various situations. We get into patterns that aren't serving us. And sometimes we think that, like you said, we think we're in a rut, but it's actually just a combination of patterns that have been repeated over time and habits. 
Yep. Um, I like I, so an example that I use in the book, and it's one that I still really have to pay attention to. That um, you know has a sales sales uh, piece to it is prospecting, right? So you know, prospecting is one of the many things that I do in my business. And I had gotten to this point where I just wasn't being successful with it. And, you know, I I had success with it. And it's, it was something that, you know, I was able to get meetings with, be successful with. And then all of a sudden I just really wasn't. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And I kind of realized I, I was stuck in a rut And sometimes we have to have it pointed out to us. (laughs) We just have our blinders on, right? And so I had to make some changes. I had to change my environment because I was sitting in a home office and it was not inspiring me anymore. When I'm prospecting, I don't know about you ladies, but when I'm prospecting or I'm doing customer meetings, I'm dressed up. I cannot do meetings in my yoga pants. I I just can't. It just, my brain does not get into the right place when I am not dressed to show up. Well, we, we, we talk about that a lot in the training that we do at sales gravy about enclosed cognition, right? Is that your brain knows that you're in yoga pants. Totally. Totally. So I had to change some of those things. And then I changed my environment. I have a co-working space, not too far from here. I, I go to my co-working space that helps me. That makes me be more prepared. I have to have my list. Mm -hmm. I need to know what I want to accomplish. I set time limits. So just changing environment and changing routines helps me to be more successful. So for someone who's wanting to be more agile, start with looking at your patterns. Where are the ruts? And maybe you need a coach. You need a Rachel or a Gina to point out where where patterns have become ruts. Well, apparently, <laughs> apparently I hear I'm very good at it. I did. <laughs> I did ask another coaching. Yeah. I asked a coaching client today about it who couldn't be in our mastermind group last night. I said, well, apparently, cause I had, a, I had another coach shadowing me um, at sales gravy. And she's like, I just want to, she asked the group, I want to ask about the transform, uh, the a transformational moment you had with Gina. And one of them said, she is very precise, prescriptive, and she will tell you where you screwed up immediately. And I'm like, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? It's a good thing because this is the thing that I think is a misconception with coaches. And I run into this a lot with coaching clients. They they think that they're hiring you to tell them how awesome they are. And I make sure that out front I let them know I'm going to cheer for you when you win and I'm going to be very direct when I see things going off the rails so that you can stay on, stay on track. Oh, I think that's what someone and, said too, that I get you back off the, from off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you do. You're very maybe good at you that. Maybe you said that. And I, <laughs> I, maybe I did. <laughs> well, I think when people know that up front and then they also know that you're sharing that with them because you have their success and best interest in mind. Um, It helps. And and not saying that like that type of feedback doesn't have a little bit of sting to it. I've definitely, you know, been on the receiving end of that type of feedback, but in the end, it, it has always made me better. And if you can get past it, not taking it as personally and looking at it as uh, as data, um, you look at it as data points to help, you to become better. Like if you can tweak this thing over here to be a better performer, why wouldn't you do it? Right. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not about you being a good or bad person. There's just, there's yeah. this thing that if you just tweak it for the better and here's how to do it, you know, you, can, yeah. you can skyrocket your success right. and probably have a lot more happiness doing it. Yeah. And I, I think anybody who, most people who hire a coach, um, and this has been my experience of having people hire me, there's something there's something they want help with clearly right otherwise they wouldn't be doing that and usually what i say is i'm like let me let me tell you the type of coach i am i'm the type of coach that supposedly i'm i'm hard um i'm tough um i'll say it like it is i'm like but if you want me to hold your hand that's fine you just need i need to know how you want to be coached i need to know what some of your triggers are and then i will meet you where you are to an extent if you're not going to put in the work and you're going to cry about things, then this will never work with me. You can cry like... Now, hold on. There's crying involved gonna say, sometimes. Cr- there is crying involved sometimes, yes. And huh. 
Um, I let you cry for a minute and then you got to pick yourself up. I'll wipe your tears and you'll pick yourself up and we'll keep going. Maybe there's a difference between crying and whining. <laughs> there's a big, big difference. difference between yeah, crying I and whining. Handle, I well, can't handle whining. No, whining is not. I, I posted this the other day in a post about some other stuff that there's a thousand ways to get to the top. There's a thousand different methods and ways and theories and, and whining and complaining are not on that list. Not on the list. Um, and the other thing about coach, coaching and and Jeb talks about this. We discussed this on a podcast we did too. Um, sometimes when it comes to business coaching, people think that that it's a, a personal attack of like, I'm not doing things right because a lot of the stuff is not real like complete tangible. It's conversations. It's, you know, these kind of things. If you take coaching, the concept of coaching to an Olympic athlete, the the athletes have to have coaches. They've got multiple coaches. They've got like coaches for every single thing so that again, like you said, Amy, there's the, it's about data and qualifying data. And, you know, if somebody is coaching an Olympic athlete and the athlete's going off the rails, the coach is sure as hell going to get them on the rails really quickly and be very direct about this is going on. And I think people forget sometimes in coaching, they're like, Oh, this means I'm terrible. And it's not, it's just data that needs to be looked at and shifted. I was reading, I was reading a story. This was a few months ago. And the story was about, it was, well, it was about Tom Brady when he made the shift from the Patriots to, uh, was it the Buccaneers? And uh, I do not have a horse in the game of either the Patriots or the Buccaneers. I'm a Browns fan. Um, Oh, bless (laughs) you. <laughs> Super Bowl, baby. They're going to the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> but but on this topic of being someone who's coachable, the piece that I had read talked about, you know, when he made the switch and he showed up at the at the Buccaneers uh camp, that he really had this attitude of just being one of the guys and being in this, like inserting himself into the system and really studying the system of his new team. And that it was not about coming in with an attitude of, hey, I've won six Super Bowls, which he totally could have come in with that attitude, but it was more the attitude of, I'm here to learn, I'm here to get better, I'm here to be a part of this team and help this team win. So it it was, it just made me think about how, even when you have huge amounts of success, the more that you take the attitude of wanting to be coached and not allowing that success to cloud wanting to be coached or continuing to get better and even go after the next great thing that just really stopped and made me think and made me think about, all right, where can I maybe apply some of those lessons to my own life? How can I make sure that I'm coachable? Do I need to hire a new coach? It's I've like, like you ladies, I've had different coaches along my career too. So it's just, it was just really good food for thought that no matter how successful you are, you have to take that attitude of being coachable. Yeah, I think some of the most successful people in the world are the ones you will find definitely have a coach. So it's interesting that a lot of people that are on starting out, let's say, they they're like, oh, I just can't, I can't afford a coach. Mostly, you can't afford not to have a coach. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. And you do have to find. I mean, there there is like there is the real, you know, the financial piece of investing, but. I like if somebody says, you know, there's the difference between saying, oh, you know, I can't afford this or, you know what, I'm going to figure out a way. That, that yep. was, that You're, was your story, figure, Rachel. That was the my first story time you hired at first. Totally. The first time I hired um, Gina as my coach, that was exactly, it was a cost um, component of, oh God, this is so expensive. Where am I going to find this money? I don't have that kind of money. And that was kind of the end of the conversation at first. And then once I thought about it for a while, I came up with the money. And I will tell you guys, at that time, my income level was not amazing. And I still found the money because of what we're talking about here. I knew that I need, I knew that I just was, I didn't have the tools I needed to take me where I wanted to go. Yep. And sometimes an investment of what seems like a really big chunk of money, like what if you invested $6,000 in a coach? Let's call it seems like a really big chunk of money for some people. If you, what if, what if, 
instead of going, oh my gosh, that's so expensive. What if someone were to say, if you invest $6,000 now, it will be the difference between you making $60,000 in the next three years or $600,000 in the next three years as your annual income. If this, you know what I mean? Like that's the thing that people miss when they're like, oh, that's so expensive. I just there's sometimes another piece to that too, which I think maybe we can be afraid to talk about, which is the accountability it, that you have to take on yourself when you make an investment. If you're, if you are going to write the check for whatever the number is now, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I got to, I am on the hook. I've got to do something with what I learn here and I need to be accountable to be successful. And sometimes that holds people back. Yep. And you know, I, there was an interesting passage in um, a book I'm obsessed with lately. It's Tim Grover's uh, Relentless and it's a, like high level athletes like Michael Jordan, who he, whom he coached. And he said, you know, some people, they actually don't want to become a top performer because if they do, that means they have to keep performing at that level. And to your point, like suddenly you make this commitment and you're, you're like, oh, I, now I better succeed. I actually have often said um, through through my years of coaching people, I've recognized in people fear of success, not fear of failure. I'm going to, oh shit, this could really turn. I mean, I'm going to say it right here. I'm guilty of it. I am guilty of being held back by fear of success without knowing it. Like I'm like, okay, I'm going to do all these things. And then this is going to, how am I going to handle that when I get there? And I'm like, maybe I'll just keep playing small. I mean, psychologically, mm. I have gone through that. Oh, mm -hmm. I've totally gone through that. And and I find that even for myself, I have to constantly stay aware of that. I'm not, I, I may, and maybe you ladies have a different opinion on this, but I'm not sure that it's something like we necessarily uh, beat, if you will. And it's like never not there. I find that I'm always continually needing to pay attention to that. So I just think about even right now in my business, the first quarter of this year, what has been extremely extremely busy and successful. A lot of opportunities. Some things are still opportunities in the pipeline that will close. Some things have already closed. And then kind of Gina, to your point, there's the moment where it's like, oh, there's a lot going on here. These are big deals that need to be delivered on. And then it's like, I can feel myself starting to contract and shrink back and saying, oh, well, maybe I don't want to close all these other deals. But then I got to snap myself out of it and be like, you know what? You've, you, you, you have what you need. The tools will be there. The people will be there. You will make it happen. And you, it's like this constant, the continual positive self-talk to get myself out of that. Oh, 100%. I've got some pretty big things looming. I'll call it looming, like wonderful, glowing, looming stuff that's like, this is really big and this is kind of scary. And I literally have conversations with myself of, of instead of backing off of like, how am I going to do all this? I'm trying to just lean into it and go, let's see what happens with this. And um, Gina's still coaching me through some of that. <laughs> like, Hmm, I guess I don't really actually have to worry about this. I'm like projecting in the future of what could happen. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Recently, I've been like, stop thinking about just be in the now right now. Just lean into lean into the now right now. Yeah. Because all the things that we come up with in our mind of how it's going to go wrong. It's not going to go that wrong that way, y'all. Right, exactly. It's going to go wrong in a whole way we didn't even think of at all. So just go with, you know, go with the vision of like the big vision. If you stay on the big vision, then it's all going to work out, especially if you keep that big vision very clear. And I think the other piece to this is there's, um, I always joke, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I think this is part of, this is part of being the, the oldest of five. Um, I am definitely like your very stereotypical, like birth order child, like straight A student, perfectionist, all that kind of stuff, which, you know, serves a purpose to a point. But then, you know, the, the other side of that is it's really easy to get in a tailspin with things having to be a certain way before they're ready. I've come a mm. long way on that. Um, but it's something I still work on because with, you know, you, uh, Rachel, you talk about those big things that are out there looming, um, and they're exciting things, but sometimes where my head goes is, 
oh my gosh, there's these 10 things I have to do. And then like a little bit of perfectionism kicks in. Um, there's a, there's a mentor that I work with. Um, his name is Alan Weiss and he's very, uh, he's, he's, uh, an expert in the consulting space. So he is someone that I, you know, I've learned a lot from and he shared something that, that I always try to keep in mind, which is get it to 80% and then go 80% and go because the last 20% is, and I'm paraphrasing here is basically you driving yourself crazy, trying to get it perfect and the client or the prospect, they don't care or won't notice because your 80% is going to be great. And I, I try to remember that. And uh, that takes some of the worry out of my head. And it definitely takes away the perfectionist tendencies. Yeah. Done is better than perfect. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> I use that phrase a lot. Oh gosh. I like it. I use it. It's what gets me through. It, it gets it's seriously. I'm like, just to get it done. I'll perfect it later. I don't care if I have typos. Well, this is the thing about done is better than perfect that I actually like it became very clear to me watching my husband do it. Like they have a civil engineering firm and, and they have to get these land plans out. It's like proposals. The thing, the thing about it is it's, it's going to change probably 10 times anyways, once you present it. So don't worry. Like that's great. 80% good. You know, is, is uh, the information there? Just with the, is it polished enough to be presentable and no typos, you know? That's why the change Just order was invented. <laughs> right on. Exactly. I need a change order for my life. That would be good. We should do Did that. Did you say you need a change order for your life? Yeah, I should, I should create that. That I love that idea. I'm, I'm an improv person, so I'm always about the idea that builds on the idea. So I'm like, I'm going to need a, I'm going to do a personal change order form. I like it. I love the personal change order form. I don't like, okay, I don't like this. Let's revise me. <laughs> quick, get that domain real oh quick. Oh my gosh, there. I am a huge fan of improv. Huge fan of improv. Yay. Love it. Yeah, well, I, I don't know what time your session is off the top of my head on uh, at Outbound, which is a great time to talk about Outbound. Yep. So I am on Friday okay. afternoon and I believe I have the one o'clock time slot. It's an early afternoon time okay, slot. Because I'm Friday morning. Oh, good. All right. So if you want a little improv, you can pop into my spontaneous selling session. Would love it. Yes, I'm in. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, I was like, I, I'm happy to be doing a session, but I'm like, who am I missing at that time slot? I don't want to miss people, but... I'm so excited for my own learning and going to the virtual sessions and the live sessions. I'm going to be a student as much as a presenter. I'm so excited. We're going to be junkies. We're definitely going to be learning junkies. So what are you presenting on at Outbound? So I'm presenting on um, practical prospecting and closing strategies. So I have one, I have a 90 minute session. So I'm just going to dive into really practical ways that I've tested, I've used to help me prospect and build relationships. So I'm going to split the time between that and then uh, closing strategies. Oh, awesome. Yay. Love it. Yay. I want to go to your session. Well, good. I hope to see you both there. We we will we will be there all week. You will be there all week. We're gonna have a good time. Oh, absolutely. Well, we're we're so thankful that you've been on the show today. But before we let you go, we have a couple other questions. I'm going to um real fast, if people want to reach out to you and connect with you, what's the best way to do that? The two best ways to do that, uh, first on LinkedIn, Amy Franco, and then uh, amyfranco.com. Fantastic. And Rachel has a couple more. These are our end of show signature questions to ask you. I'll see how you do with that before we let you go. We'll see if I pass these questions. You will do fine. These are just, (laughs) these are just to see how you think kind of questions. So Amy, first question is how would you define the word sexy? How do I define the word sexy? You know, I define it as how you think, how you show up, and how you take care of yourself. Love it. That's nice. I like that. We haven't had that answer before. Best advice you've ever been given? The best investment that you could make is is an investment in yourself. Don't be afraid to invest in yourself. Awesome. These are good. I love it. So true. And any advice, Amy, that you wish you had been given? Mm. I think if I think back on my career, 
probably some advice that I wish that I had been given um, would be to, um, I've had a kind of a winding career and I, and which has served me well, but I think if I had a coach or a mentor early on in my career that really helped me to think about more strategically what I wanted to do in five years or 10 years time versus, you know, going, just going from one opportunity to the next, I think that would have benefited me tremendously. So having that formal mentorship early in my career, I didn't have a lot of those types of opportunities. I think they're much more prevalent now. And I see how much people can benefit from that. That is awesome. Awesome. And real, real quick before we say goodbye uh, on that note, we were talking about younger salespeople earlier. I've also mm-hmm. seen an increase in um, salespeople in their twenties looking for coaches, which I'm like, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that's been pretty cool. So that is cool. And I think they. I mean, I think we're we we are cheerleaders for that. You know, raise yes. raise your hand, invest in yourself. If your company isn't going to hire the coach, consider doing it yeah. yourself. Yeah, there's a lot of high performers out there who are like young and hungry, and they want to kill it. And they're like, I want to kill it, so I want a coach to get there, and I don't want my boss to know about it. I mean, it's just cool. That's awesome. It is cool. It has been such a pleasure having you on our show today. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. This is a great conversation, and I can't wait to meet the both of you in person. Likewise. So uh, we're going to say goodbye to Amy. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Warners, for listening to this episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About, powered and sponsored by Sales Gravy. Check out salesgravy.com for our courses or salesgravy.university. You can also still get virtual tickets to Outbound. Sorry, the in-person tickets are on a waiting list now, but you can get virtual tickets, still get a ton of content and $100 off when you use the code Warners100. And I'm Gina Tremarco. I'm out of here. Rachel, you want to say any parting words? I want to touch on one thing that Amy mentioned earlier and we talked about that you can get a degree in sales right now. And you can invest a whole lot less money by going to salesgravy.university to get a degree in some of the best training in sales that you yes. that money can buy. Yes. <laughs> and I am the singing lender. You can find me on social media or at the website of the same name. And I can vouch for the fact that school debt can be a problem in getting a mortgage. So check out salesgravy.university. <laughs> And anything else you need to know, you can find at womenyourmotherwarnsyouabout.com. Awesome. Bye, Warriors. This really will get serious soon. Yeah. Don't. It it doesn't have to. I don't think anybody wants it to be serious. Hey, I did it.